Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, hi again and welcome to our podcast today. Do you remember in school when we had to read all those books and do all those book reports? And I don't know about you, but I would go to the library and I'd try to find a book that was highlighted, right? And then I, honestly, I wasn't that clear back then that there were even such things as cliff notes. You're going to find today's guest so fascinating because he has literally taken this to the next level. Randy Mayo, Mayu is, um, I, I know you from years ago, and so I just have to tell you, you are one of the greatest presenters, first of all, just as a presentation person and facilitator, but add to that, you're a bookworm. Did you grow up knowing someday you'd make a living at being a bookworm, Randy? I, I certainly didn't. Thank <laughs> you for having me on your program. Yes. You know, when we talk about bookworms, I started with comic books. You did. And, and then I cheated in school with Classics Illustrated. You have to be older to know what <laughs> Classics Illustrated are. They were comic books of the classic books. And I remember reading Charles Dickens from Classics Illustrated and getting away with that, making a decent grade in English class. And then I graduated to the Hardy Boys and uh, Nero Wolf, the Mysteries. And then as an early adult, I got pretty hung up with and pretty committed to nonfiction writing. And that's what started it. But no, I never dreamed that I could find a way to turn my love of reading into something that can make some money and more importantly help people and that's what I do and you know uh, since one of my expertises is in branding personal branding and presence um, it's just interesting that you have built such a strong brand for exactly that for being the guru in giving synopsis of books so 21 years hmm. of reading books and then sharing this one pager, two pager, whatever it ends up being of synopsis, if I go to your first Friday event, or I can get the synopsis of, oh my gosh, how many books online. So tell us how this all started. In 1998, um, I met Carl Crayer. He mm -hmm. was my colleague for many years. His health does not permit him to be functioning with us now. Mm. But Carl and I talked about it, and we talked about how people, A, wish they had read the business books that yeah. they hear about, B, they buy them and read about a chapter, and then they never finish them. Is that fact? Oh, yeah. Lots of people. I mean, you probably, I have. You'll buy a book, you'll read a chapter or two, then you get busy and you do something else. Mm -hmm. And so we said, why don't we read the best books, the ones that are most important, mm -hmm. and we'll read them fully. We'll create a multi-page handout so that if they come and listen to our presentation, follow along in the handout, they will know the key content of the book. And that's what we've done since April of 1998 two books a month every month in Dallas, Texas. And then um, 
companies and organizations hire me to come in and do an extended version mm -hmm. at the event first Friday book synopsis. Those are two 18 to 22 minute synopses. Mm -hmm. um, even though we call it 15 minutes, they're a little longer than 15 minutes. But when I do it in a company yesterday uh, for a mid-sized city, I spoke to about 40 leaders, fire chief, police chief, city manager, really? et cetera. And I did an hour and a half version of the book Hit Refresh by Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. That's what I do regularly for city leaders, for organizations. I did the book Never Eat Alone by Ferrazzi. Oh, the, I love that book. Yeah, the Bible uh -huh. on networking. I did that for a major law firm in Dallas about a week and a half ago. And so, you travel, right? You I go do nationally. Travel. Sure, uh -huh. sure. Do they tell you what book they want to read? Because I went to, um, was doing a training program for a pharmaceutical company and it was a conference. The whole conference was around the book Start With Why. Which is a great book and mm -hmm. I have presented that. Uh, sometimes they say, do you have a presentation on this book? Sometimes they say, here is the issue we are dealing with. Oh. Is there a book that really addresses this issue? Mm -hmm. That to me is a better way to do it. Okay, It's to find out what challenge they're facing and to find the right book. Uh, let me tell you a book that I've done frequently for groups in moments of need. There's a book called Managing Transitions oh. that is on the emotions of change. Oh my, yes. And so when you've got somebody that has a new leader, a new president, a new mm -hmm. CEO, a new city manager, there are people who are wondering what's going to happen here. What's going to happen to me? Yeah, what's going to happen to me? Right. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So that book, it's not how to implement change. It is how to handle the emotion of change. Emotions. That's a great book for a specific circumstance. What's the name of it again? Managing Transitions okay. by Bridges. B-R-I-D-G-E-S. Bridges. Mm -hmm. Great book. And, and the books that you do are all business books, right? Uh, the books I do at First Friday Book Synopsis uh -huh. are all business books. I do a similar program. I've done this for a dozen years for books on poverty and social justice and education for a large nonprofit in Dallas called City Square at an event we call the Urban Engagement Book Club. That's one book a month mm -hmm. for 12 years. So, Randy, how many books have, <laughs> have you read to this date, do you know? Oh, no, I have no you idea. Don't. I, I want you to calculate that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be great. I present three synopses a month minimum. Okay. Uh, that's the two business books and the one social justice book. So, you know, you can do the math on that. Those are books that I read every word carefully, highlighting oh literally hundreds of passages and, and spending a chunk of time creating my handout. I read many other books that I read the sample pages or even the full book that I don't present. And then for fun. Oh, uh, good. Let's go yeah. to fun. Uh, I currently am, am a pretty committed reader of Daniel Silva. Love him. Yeah, he's Love great. Him. I heard him speak here in Dallas about a year ago. And uh, he's a great writer. And, and his Israeli assassin is just one of my favorite characters. And his character is called? Gabriel Alon. Alon, yeah. yes. Gabriel Alon. I just uh, started started um oh gosh a series of reading a lot of those kinds of books yeah, yeah. and they're they're fascinating they all have a character i've read the jack reacher with. books and right and, but but and i've read all the nero wolf books that's from an earlier generation but uh but gabriel a is my current favorite
Well, you know, you've taken advantage of technology by um, having e-books. You have two e-books. What are the names of them? Uh, 12 Vital Signs of Organizational Health and okay. 30 Books in 30 Days. And Which you can get on? On Kindle, on the <laughs> okay. uh, Kindle app for Amazon. That's right. Well, here's, here's what I was thinking about on that. That's so great that we can do that. What do you think about you writing a book, not just an e-book? you have any aspirations? Uh, I will at some point, yes. Do and you I, want I, to? Or yeah, yes. Do but, you? But a friend of mine, um, a very famous Christian author, okay. said to me once, he said, Randy, the amount of time that I spend writing books, mm -hmm. you spend reading books. Mm -hmm. You cannot do both. You cannot do two things at once. And if I write a book, then I end up losing time reading books. And, and I know that I would make more money writing books. Uh, you don't make as much money reading somebody's book. But I love to learn, and, and I'm committed to it, and I have to do it. I've created a job where I have to keep reading. Mm -hmm. so. I but, wrote, yes, I will write a book or two. I, I bet you will. What's your vision for... Um, just the fact that kids today are not reading books, although you, you gave me an interesting fact that adults aren't either. What are the statistics now about how many books do business people write, yeah. read? Uh, um, let's start with a different question. Okay. Um, are there book readers and non-book readers? And my, my conviction is that if a person is 30, 35 years old and they are not reading books, you're not going to get them to start reading books. People, really? people just don't start reading once they hit mid-adult years, according to the research. Um, the research says that the average American male college graduate reads fewer than one full book a year. I, I just find yeah. that so hard to believe. And why does it say male, not female? Well, that's been a particular study of male uh, readers. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to sort of take out of that, of some mix, the difference between fiction and novels and nonfiction. There are people who read a lot of novels, mm -hmm. but they don't read much nonfiction. And then there are people who are reading more books than ever because of uh, Amazon can ship them right away. Uh, you can get them on the Kindle app right away. So there are book readers and there are non-book readers. People like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, uh, people like Tim Ferriss, these are very popular readers. Mm -hmm. They are, are authors and, and business leaders. They are regularly writing things about read these books. Bill Gates mm -hmm. has a blog about books he's read. He gave a book called Factfulness to every 2018 college graduate. And I presented that a few months ago at First Friday Book Synopsis. He gave a free copy. Um, so these people are saying, read a lot of books. Mm -hmm. The dilemma is that most people don't. So they hear about that, but they don't read the books. So. Well, so let's go back to, I'll say kids. Okay. Meaning the gaming. Yeah. Everyone's game. I mean, adults are gaming too, right? But all the all of the gaming and all of the uh, play stuff that's fun and you get so hooked in it, even adults. But what's that doing to kids in terms of learning to read? 
There are books that are being written about the way that it is literally changing the brain function mm-hmm. uh, to be constantly changing focus that way. And it is what what the devices do mm-hmm. is they perpetually change someone's focus. And so that's that's a real new problem has never existed before. There's a book by Cal Newport called Deep Work that says the people that are most productive learn, they build up to four hours of focused, deep work at a time. What does that look like? Uh, it, four hours of reading. Okay. And so he, he literally recommends setting a timer. And, and what I do when I'm doing my deep reading is I have a timer and I set it for 50 minutes, five zero. And I read for 50 minutes, I do not interrupt, and then I go get a drink of water. And then I go back to another 50 minutes. And if I can come up with a four-hour chunk, I read four hours less 10 minutes each hour. And, and mm-hmm. that is a perfect, but you have to build up to that. And so, yeah, kids are not reading with that kind of deep focus, that kind of deep work because of the devices. And it's affecting education. So when you say they're changing the focus every so often, I've watched kids game. Tell me what that's looking like. What, 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 what's happening that's making them change focus? I mean, they seem pretty focused to me. They're right, right there and they're but, moving the machine. But with gaming, the scenes change constantly. They do. Yep. The, the, they're, they're, they're constantly interactive. They're not consuming insight. They are, now they are learning some skills that are valuable. They're learning to solve problems. They're learning to face challenges. There's research that says that that has very positive effects. So it's not, this is not, uh, I'm I'm not a down on device kind of person, but I think they have to have device free time Mm -hmm. to focus on content learning. And that's the problem. So you're doing it right in so many ways. The research also tells us that we should be reading a lot of different books. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, as far as you're concerned, you have to read all these business books. When you're not reading business books, and you mentioned uh, Gabriel Alon, mm-hmm. are there any other um, books, genre, that you just really enjoy reading just to be mindless? Um, no, I, it's the mysteries and the, the mysteries. and the and the uh, and you know the uh, what, what's the word the action hero books, not superheroes, but action right. heroes. Uh, but I need to read more novels. Uh, you know, here's another piece of research. If if you asked what's the big theme mm-hmm. in leadership books, one of them is the need for empathy. That leaders sure. need to be good at developing empathy. That's that whole emotional intelligence emotional and intelligence. The assessments that That's are right. out there now. So how do you get a non-empathetic person to become more empathetic? And here's, hmm. a, here's an interesting piece of research that people who read more novels develop deeper empathy. And, and the, I, I think the idea is that they put themselves into the position of other human beings, even though they're fictional, and so they develop empathy with that. Um, I'm a fan of the humanities. 
I'm not a STEM guy. I, I'm not anti-STEM, but I'm but I'm I'm a humanities guy. There's a wonderful book called "You Can Do Anything," by uh, I, I'm sorry. Sometimes I have so many books Happens in my mind that don't all remember. Happens to all of us. I'm yeah. surprised. Uh, George it Anders. Anders. Well, uh, great you. book. And it's a book about what you can do with a humanities degree. And, and what he has discovered is that people with math and STEM degrees make more money at first. But people who major in humanities catch up and then exceed them How over the long haul of the career. So fascinating. That's, fascinating. You have so many fascinating things. Let's go back, Randy, to your background. Okay. And I know that you were in the ministry. Yes. So how did that how did that transpire and then from ministry into this? Uh, I was in a very conservative religious group. Mm-hmm. Uh, had 20 years in the group. Uh, uh, an effective and successful career. Uh, moved to Dallas to be at uh, the, the, the equivalent of senior pastor. It was a different terminology in the group I was in. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I kind of studied my way out of that group. I'll give you a specific example. I gave a series of lectures to a national gathering of youth ministers, and I made the case that we're going to need in our denomination to begin having women preachers someday. <laughs> when that, was this? How long ago? 90, 1990. Okay. And uh, to put it mildly, that group was not ready and is not ready for women preachers. And I had reached the point where I believed that was the right way to be. So that was an example of kind of reaching a position where I just couldn't continue. So mm-hmm. that's the background to that. Well, you know, what I'm hearing from that, too, is that you have a deep sense of, uh, of some things that are, that, that are held, closely held beliefs. I always ask guests, Randy, to come up with their three or more uh, I call them teachable points of view, and what I mean by that is what can you share with our audience uh, that, that would be meaningful to keep in mind and not have the amount of scars that I have from years I wish I had known some of these pearls yeah. of wisdom. Uh, so would you share those with us? Maybe some of them came from that background. Um, my, my deepest belief is that I am here to help people learn. Mm. So that, that's, that's part of what I am. And so if I read a book that I think is valuable, I can't wait to write a blog post about it or to share it in a s- synopsis. Um, I'm here to help people learn. And why do I want to help people learn? Because learning is the path to get better at whatever you do. That's a good so point. So lifelong learning is there's always something I can get better at. And then, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of unkindness. I'm a fan of kindness. And so I believe that if, if I read a book that in any way implies that it's okay to treat people in a bad way, I will not do that book. Good I, for you. I, I, I just will not do it. So I believe we ought to treat people with love and kindness. Mm. And then maybe the third thing uh, is that I, I'm convinced that there is never a justification for arrogance. There is so much I don't know. There are so many things I need to learn. Mm -hmm. And even if I read the books I read and learn the things I learn, 
I never get to all the books. I never learn all the things. I, I consider myself, go back to my ministry days, um, what I do in book synopses is I practice expository preaching of business books. That's a great way to say um, it. There, there's a way of preaching called uh, expository preaching, right. and I just have taken those methods and used them in creating and presenting synopses of books. So I'm nothing special. I read something that's valuable. I share it with people in order for them to learn and work on getting better and, and there's so much I don't know. So. You know, thank you for that last one. There's so much we don't know. What do you do with, let's say, um, you're meeting someone in a business setting or working with someone in a business setting and they are a little arrogant? <laughs> How do you handle arrogance? You don't get to correct somebody unless they give you permission. Okay. If they give you permission, then you can work on helping them. The only time you can correct somebody when you don't have their permission is when it's your job to. So um, there's a wonderful book by Kim Scott called Radical Candor. It's mm-hmm. really the best practical book on how to actually lead people in the last couple of years, what to do in leading people. And she says two things. She says, you've got to care personally, and then you challenge directly. And so when anybody has a deficiency, let me rephrase that. Everybody has a deficiency. Mm-hmm. When somebody has a deficiency, whether it is they're arrogant or whatever it is, <laughs> at some point, you have to take them by the shoulders, look them in the eye, and say, you have an arrogance problem. You have mm. to challenge directly. But in order to pull that off, you have to first care personally so that they trust your motive mm-hmm. in correcting them. Uh, interestingly, um, Jason Witten, the former Dallas Cowboys who is now an ESPN Uh, color person on their Monday night broadcast. He wrote a great article on the ESPN website. And Jason Witten said, a good team captain has to confront people in the locker room. Mm. Well, that's what Sam Walker in a wonderful book, The Captain Class, said, that the best captains, they earn the right by working harder than anybody to confront people and help them get better. So those are some of the thoughts on that. I think those are great thoughts. What comes to my mind, too, is the work that I and many others do as an executive coach. And in getting the certification, the international coach certification for uh, credentialing us, that's one of the main things that they share with us and, and insist and make sure that we are able to do, which is first, care. Mm-hmm. honestly care about the person that so that so resonated because I thought this was a great statement I'll share with the listeners too I've had to learn as a coach to come to our session completely putting behind me what I just did what I have to do after the session and they call it and I I call it a clean slate coming to a meeting a business meeting, anything where you need to be really engaged. If you can just think of 
blocking things out and coming to that with 100% I am here, I am present. Yeah. But that clean slate was a great visual for me Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to use. And then, so really caring, because I'm intently, like I am now, really listening to you, deeply li- listening, mm-hmm. not just superficial. And you know the difference, right? You bet. When you're you bet. not listening to someone and you can tell they're twiddling their thumbs yeah. or tapping their foot or whatever. But then the second piece is then as a coach, I'll say, and you're saying it as a manager or anyone else, you'll earn the right Mm -hmm. because what? There's that trust. That's right. There's that trust personally. And the trust has to do with you're wanting them to be better. You're not Mm -hmm. wanting anything for your own reputation. You're wanting it to help them. Mm -hmm. Uh, The greatest basketball coach of all time it's a contest between pat summit the woman's coach and john wooden the man's coach ucla coach all right he once said that here's what great coaching is it is correcting without creating resentment that's a great line that's a good line and and so you have you know when i read radical candor by kim scott what I came away from is that we have so many people in positions of leadership and management who beat around the bush. They yes, just, no one likes conflict, yeah, Randy. they don't get to the point. And if you beat around the bush, people don't get better. And so you've got to put yourself in a position to where the person who is ready to learn and teachable, now that's on that end. That's on that end. Yeah, mm-hmm. but once they're ready to learn and teachable, you don't beat around the bush. This is what you could work on next that would make the right difference. So You know what? I, can I add your fourth teachable point of view? Okay. Because I think that's so important. I know from, from coaching, one of the most difficult things to do is to help someone handle conflict. Yes. And so just being direct. Once mm. you've earned the right and saying it appropriately, right? Yeah. Um, is just a, we have to learn to do that. Yes. And you do, you do no one a favor by leaving off the table Mm -hmm. what they need to work on. That's right. You know, if you're not direct, you are not doing your job because this is something they need to work on. And, and when people have been direct with me, and I remember a few times in my life, there are people who have pretty much saved me at key moments partly because they really did care and partly because they were so direct and 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 I needed both of those mm-hmm. and I uh, I don't know that I want to get into that kind of personal story on this program but 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 I think of a of a human being one moment that said you're coming to lunch with me and and that moment pretty much set me on a direction that if I hadn't been set on mm-hmm. I'd have been in trouble he he helped save me in a bad moment that's so. that's that's whatever that story is that's very meaningful yeah. and you shared another meaningful story when we talked earlier Randy about that moment that crisis moment what do you call it the the moment when you learned in the professor's library that turning oh, point yeah, yeah. share that um, years ago I was a pretty young man I was uh, asked to be a guest teacher at Pepperdine University for a class by a professor that I knew, but not all that well at that point. Mm-hmm. But he really said, come teach my class and then let's spend the day together. 
So we went to his house. He had a private library, personal library of about six to 7,000 books. It oh was my goodness. floor to ceiling. He had taken out a wall between two rooms and made one big library. And we spent four hours talking about reading. Uh, at the end of the four hours, he was pulling books down uh, from his shelf. Uh, he said, let me introduce you to Arthur John Gossip, who was a Scottish preacher. And I ended up going to used bookstores and buying old books by Arthur John Gossip. But he, he said, um, you, you, one of the things that I've come to believe is that not only do we not read enough, we don't read enough older books. Older books? Meaning yeah. how, what do you mean, older books? Um, books that have stood the test of time. Classics? Classics. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, there, was a, there was a Quaker writer named Elton Trueblood who said, a curse of this age is that we think if something is not new, it's not valuable. Mm. You know, it, that, that's just, that's foolish. Mm -hmm. That's foolish. You want to learn about communication? That's actually my academic training in addition to theology is rhetoric. Read Aristotle. Everything, <laughs> everything. Run that, right out and yeah, get that. <laughs> everything that we know about communication, uh -huh. Aristotle said it first. And logos and ethos and pathos and rhetoric as an art. I mean, you, you go keep going back. And Aristotle said it first, and everything else is commentary. And so a combination of new and old. So. And that was that moment when you... I, I then realized I needed to become more systematic in my reading. Uh -huh. uh, I needed to read more widely. I needed to pay more attention to the authors who had come before and, and that day is burned in my memory. So, yeah, mm. it's a pretty important Crucible day. Crucible moments, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Many of us have those. Those are wonderful stories. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. Randy, you have truly become such a strong, honestly, strong brand with a specific um, yearning that comes from within you to teach others to read more and understand more. And I love your synopsises that we can get online. You gave me a great, um, here it is. I think this is a great little, uh, what am I trying to say? Bookmark. Bookmark, right, okay. for, for our books. But on the back of it, let me just share with our listeners the fact that they can go online and, as you say here, keep learning. So, uh, Randy, why don't you, I'll let you share with the audience where they can go online specifically to get your uh, synopsis of, I don't know, millions of books. <laughs> uh, a few hundred. Yeah. Uh, at one five minute businessbooks.com, 15 minute businessbooks.com, you can purchase mm -hmm. my synopses. And there's also a blog tab, and I blog about business book, lessons from business books, a couple of times each week. And that the same website answers to if you type in firstfridaybooksynopsis.com. So 15minutebusinessbooks.com, firstfridaybooksynopsis.com. It'll take you to the same website. And you gave me a list of your most recent 30 suggested best books to read. That's right. And they can get that free. Yes. And how, how do they get that? Uh, send me an email. Okay. At randymayu at sbcglobal.net. All right, say it again and spell Mayu. Randy Mayu, M-A-Y-E-U-X, okay. at sbcglobal.net. 
put in the subject line, send me the book list. All right. And if you forget that or didn't write it down fast enough, you can also send it to me and I'll get it to Randy. And you know my email is Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, at ValerieAndCompanySpelledOut.com. So thanks so much for tuning into this podcast and be sure to listen to the next one coming up when we'll have someone else sharing their wonderful stories and teachable points of view. And if you're interested in my book, Do It Right, from which the show is, is uh, happening, Doing It Right, you can go on to just that, ValerieAndCompany.com. Thanks so much and stay authentic. Bye for now. <laughs>